the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Hey, welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. This is Gino Geraci. So glad you could join me on the program, the number 303-873-1935 on this free-for-all Friday. Hopefully, you can join me. It's easy to do. You just pick up the phone. You dial the number 303 873 1935. Let's see who's up. Is it Steve and Frederick? Welcome to the program. Hi, Gino. How are you this fine Friday? You know what? I'm doing good. I mean, my heart still continues to break over this Ukraine-Russia thing. I still continue to ponder what may or may not unfold and, and then remember how quickly things in the whole world can change in a week. Yes, yes. Any question for you? I'm just wondering where the line. I think it's absolutely great for us to think about God, what all He entails, and reading scholars, reading theologians, and then trying to match it up with the Bible is great. Uh-huh. Recently, in a para in a parachurch, kid's Bible study, there was a leader that said that you know, scholars believe that the rich young ruler talked about in in three of the different uh, gospels was actually Mark. And that didn't make sense to me because he would have been a teenager at that time, very young. So rich and a ruler, just I don't know if that matched. His mother was rich. Anyway, um, I went back and I tried to find a uh, scholar that I respected that had any speculation about it. I couldn't find any. Went to the old standby Google, and there's a whole line of people. Everyone from, and there was one that did have Mark, but they, there are people that are speculated that it's Nicodemus, that it's actually Lazarus, and that Lazarus's name was changed to protect the innocent. And this cannot be glorifying to God. So where do we stop well, that line? Yeah, that, that's a good question. And, you know, I, I guess if, if your question is where can we where how can we be involved in a little sanctified speculation but at what point does sanctified speculation become not only not helpful but maybe even dangerous yes and i you know i'm trying to think of what would be a good answer and I, I think that my my stock answer would be what the Bible says in this sense, that that we can speak where the Bible speaks and that we should be silent where the Bible is silent. Now, so I'm talking about uh, dogmatic kinds of issues. I'm not saying that we have that that we can't speculate or offer an opinion or offer alternatives, if you will. But I think that there are certain speculations that are harmful, like doomsday predictions, like yes. um, dates setting the, the coming of Jesus, or dates suggesting 
I think both yeah. are harmful. So, yeah, where where do we draw the line? And despite it, Mark, there's some speculation. I think as Lee Strobel is doing an interview of a biblical scholar and talking about a, um, a, a guy that was at cross line. He'd been denied a tenure at one of the Ivy Leagues. He's a, you know, a gay theologian, and he found this. Have you heard, ever heard of the secret the secret gospel of Mark? Trying to think, because I've, I've heard some pretty wild things. Yeah, I, I believe is Lee Strobel, and this, this person had been denied tenure and was angry, wrote a paper where he said he saw a document in this friend's library in, in England, and uh, he'd never seen it before, and he couldn't find it again. It's the secret, and it was where Jesus introduced Mark to the secret forbidden love. I'm looking it up right now. There's obviously a wiki page on it, and um, I'm I'm trying to see when it first comes up, whether or not it was part of, you know, the Gnostic group, um, you know, it, it, when it dates to. And as, as I'm looking at it, it says the gospel is mentioned exclusively in the Mar Saba letter, a document of disputed authenticity said to have been written by Clement of Alexandria between 150 and 215. Now, there is a strong I'm, – I'm off the wiki page, and now I'm back on the Gino page. Obviously, Good. Mark has a strong, strong church tradition of, of – of not only being in Alexandria, but also of having died in Alexandria. Uh-huh. Um, but apparently, whatever this is, um, that there seems to be scholarly evidence of forgery and misrepresentation. Now, Craig Evans, who you may be familiar with, has written a book on manuscripts. Yeah. And he would be I would be interested, you know, if I were to to do a little bit more research and writing on this secret gospel of Mark, I would want to know what Craig Evans has to say about yeah. the the controversy, which I think, you know, he's a scholar whose reputation is impeccable and has yeah. a very very good handle on on both manuscripts and papyri fragments. Yeah, it, it well the Gino's are excuse me Lee Strobel's person he's interviewing said it just doesn't pass the smell test because right. the guy that wrote it later wrote another paper that could have they could have and should have used that if there's legitimate scholarship in that paper later that was peer reviewed and he didn't use his own paper right he didn't reference it at all and so. and again to quote unquote give it the lofty title of of the secret gospel of mark it, again it has to not just pass the smell test but again is it written is it a is it a copy is is it literally written by mark was it used in the church uh, does it does it have internal consistency and even with the fragment that you have, and then is it widely used in the church? And so, again, it seems to me that 
I don't know very much about it, but I would have to do a little bit more research and writing or research yeah. on it and then find out some of the people who uh, I respect what what they've said about it. And you're right. Craig Evans would certainly be one to look at. Right. Thank you so much, Gino. I appreciate another, it. Another person that I would look to is there's two people, Craig Keener and, and Craig Evans. I, I would see if either one of these scholars have addressed this issue. Okay. I will do that. Thanks so much, Gino. Oh, and you know what? I, I, we have an article at uh, Got Questions. Did you know that? On this no. issue? No, I'll check that out immediately. Yeah. Matter of fact, yeah. Matter of fact, when when I come back, I might read the article on the air. Three zero three. Hey, thank you for your call, by the way. Three zero three eight seven three nineteen thirty five. Yes, we have an article. What is the secret gospel of Mark at gotquestions.org? Your questions, biblical answers, and so um, it's good to know. Thank you, Sheikh Hoodman. We have an article at Got Questions on the secret gospel of Mark. And so um, the other person I would uh, look to, Craig Keener, Craig Evans, Daryl Bach. He's written a book called Recovering the Real Lost Gospel, Reclaiming the Gospel is Good News. He's always good. This is Gino Geraci, 303-873-1935. If you want to join me on the program, I'll be back. Hey, welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. This is Gino Geraci. So glad you could join me. 303-873-1935. Let's see who's up. Gerald, welcome to the program. Yes, Gino. How are you? Oh, great. I've had a question for quite a while. I've heard so many uh, ministries asking people to pay their tithing. And uh, to me... I don't. I think that's deceitful because it's uh, it's uh, if they read numbers to tell you what the tithing was for the Levitican uh, tribe. Well, I think you're right. In other words, when we ask and we answer the question, what does the New Testament say about New Testament believers tithing? Now, the yeah. right the right answer is what you brought up. It's an Old Testament concept. Now, after the death of Jesus and the resurrection of Jesus, the Bible, the New Testament doesn't command or even recommend a legalistic tithe, but what it does talk about is Christian generosity. So the New Testament nowhere des- designates a percentage. It doesn't say give 10% or 20% or 50%. The, the, the Bible says you you should give in 1 Corinthians 16, 12 in keeping with your income. So Paul says on the first day of the week, each of you is to put something aside and store it up uh, so that there's no collection when I come. And then Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 7, he says, each man should give what he's decided in his heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. Now, if a person right. decides not to give anything ever, then then that's a different problem. In other words, our God has saved us, and he saved us so that we could be not only 
full of joy, but grateful. And so, so Paul writes, each man should give what he's decided in his heart. You know, I had a guy on my radio program years and years ago. His name was Rick Ferguson. He was the pastor of a, a local Baptist church. And somebody called and said, should I tithe from my gross income or from my net income? And he said... It all depends if you want to be blessed from your gross or from your net. Now, again, the whole point, it's a little bit funny, but the whole point becomes, no, each person should give what he's decided to give in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion. God loves a cheerful giver. That's 2 Corinthians 9, 7, by the way. uh, On a certain ministry where uh, a woman called in, where they're asking to uh, to uh, uh, do their tithing. This woman said she was on her Social Security, and that's all she had, and she was having a tough time making it. So she said, how can she tithe the percentage when she didn't have it? Well, so that was, to me, I said, you know, when I think when they use that, that's a little deceitful to the people that have not really studied the scriptures from way back. Well, and again, the whole point becomes a different point when when we say, does the Bible... Again, giving isn't something that is just limited to money, as you know. Gerald, giving can... can, A person might be in Social Security, but she can give prayer. She can give... Uh, support. She might give a ride to a needy person. She, you know, there's lots of ways that we can exercise the gifts and talents that God has given to us. It doesn't, right. it, it doesn't always mean money. No, nope. but it, I agree with that. But again, the Bible says it is more blessed to give than to receive in Acts chapter 20. And again, in 2 Corinthians 9, 6, Paul writes, Remember this, whoever sows sparingly will reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will reap generously. And so, again, just what you're bringing up, are there people on Social Security? Well, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm, well, okay, I'll just be blunt. I'm north of 65, but south of 70. So that will put you, uh, you know, a, a little understanding of where I'm coming from. But the whole point becomes, are there people who are listening who are multimillionaires? Yeah. Each person, again, the Bible says, should give what they've purposed in their heart. The Bible mm-hmm. says, honor the Lord with your wealth, with yeah. the first fruits of your crops or barns. And so, you know, people did give grain. They did give groceries. They did give whatever. So, but the, so the principle for the Christian isn't tithing a legalistic percentage, but rather it's giving what you've purposed in your heart. I hope that helps. Yep, that's what Paul says. But like I said, I even had a a professor of theology in this certain place that he quoted Matthew where uh, Jesus is kind of upgrading the the Pharisees there. You tithe, but you forget the, the most important things. Yeah. And and I said, wow, this is a professor in this ministry? And I said, boy, wow, that is that is not good. <laughs> hey, well, thank you for your call. All right. Thanks, Dino. Uh, 
Have a great weekend. 303-873-1935. And again, if you want to know more, um, we have a wonderful article at Got Questions, including how can I become, well, a cheerful giver? And another article, what does the Bible say about Christian tithing? And yet another article that was brought up earlier um, about this uh, secret gospel of Mark. And um, we have an article posted there. If you go to the first paragraph, it says, In the late 1950s, a Columbia University scholar named Morton Smith claimed to have discovered a part of a letter from Clement of Alexandria copied into the blank pages at the end of a 17th century printing of the letters of Ignatius. Morton's personal transcription and translation of these words published years later are the only versions available. The original text from which he supposedly copied the words have been lost. It was only ever seen by Smith and perhaps two others. And according to Smith, what he discovered was a reference by Clement to a secret gospel of Mark, a supposedly expanded version of the biblical gospel of Mark. And Smith claims that Clement made two quotations from the secret gospel of Mark. One involves Jesus resurrecting a young man who then spends the night with Jesus in some sort of state of undress. The other implies that Jesus rejected the young man's family. Clement's supposed purpose in citing these accounts is to tell the letter's recipient, Theodore, to deny the authenticity of the secret gospel of Mark. And in so doing, according to Smith, Clement Clement claimed that Mark expanded his gospel and that only a select few people were meant to learn the secrets contained in this updated version. Not surprisingly, virtually everything about the secret gospel of Mark is disputed by scholars. The words cited by Smith are found only in texts that he transcribed from a copy found written in the back of a separate work from the 17th century. Unlike actual scripture, which has outstanding traceability, these words have literally zero support. If real, these fragments would be the only copies of Clement's letter known to exist. Even more condemning is that the secret gospel of Mark is never mentioned anywhere else or in any other source. So again, there's great resources and references that are available to you. In short, scholarly consensus is all but certain. Secret gospel of Mark? Fictional likely never existed at all. The only debate that continues is whether Morton Smith fabricated the entire text in order to claim a discovery. But not all scholars think this is the case. And yet, the full picture of his claims still bring suspicion. This is Gino Geraci. Stay tuned. We'll have more when we come back. Hey, welcome, ladies and gentlemen. This is Gino Geraci. So glad you could join me on the program Crosswalk with Gino Geraci. It is, of course, the program where we typically take your calls and answer your questions about God, the historical Jesus, about the Bible, about worldviews, and 
contemporary cultural issues. But from time to time, we have authors, artists, guests who are making a difference in the kingdom of God and the body of Christ. Joining me is, well, Deb Flora, who is also United States Senate uh, Senate candidate for the in the state of Colorado. She's got a documentary coming out called Whose Children Are They? Exposing the Hidden Agenda in America's Schools in Select Theaters, March 14th only. Deb Flora, welcome to the program. Thank you so much, Gina. It's so great to be here, and I just appreciate your helping get the word out about um, about this film that we've been working on. It's a two-year labor of love or a little bit of outrage mixed in with it also. Right, love and um, outrage. Yes, indeed. Yes, well, indeed. You know, it, it seems crazy to have to ask you the obvious question. The obvious question is about parental rights and mm-hmm. and the the reality uh, that this is even an issue. That the very fact that you have to make this documentary is a yes. chilling commentary on on the state of our culture. So. Obviously, just give us a little idea of of what pushed you over the edge and said, I have to do this. I have to do this project. (laughs) Absolutely, Gina. Well, we've talked about before. I started Parents United America uh, probably about three and a half years ago when they pushed comprehensive sex ed through on the last day at the state legislature in Colorado, despite hundreds of parents showing up to testify against it. And they just didn't listen. I mean, there was no deference to the voices of parents. So then I introduced sex ed transparency legislation because I was basically saying, you know what, if you are going to force this, then let us see what you're teaching our kids. Of course, it went to the kill committee. So what I realized was this movement is going to have to happen from the bottom up, which is the parents. We're not the bottom, but we're the grassroots. And in our own school district, Douglas County, you know, we were being shut out about CRT teaching and parents were called dissenters. So being both a filmmaker, a parent, someone who founded this nonprofit to advocate and be activated for parents, I realized that the very best thing that my husband and I could do, because we have our own production company, is drag it all into the light. Because mm-hmm. the very things that the unions, the uh, you know, the special interest indoctrination groups, groups like Planned Parenthood, don't want us to see is exactly what we need to see. So this is a comprehensive expose, and really the goal is to fan this flame of this movement into something that transforms our education system for generations to come, and most of all, protects the innocence of our children. Now, I know that there are several theaters that's, that have agreed to um, to to show this film here in mm-hmm. in the front range of Colorado. One of the things that I found really interesting was how many other cities and states around the country have picked up whose children are they. And uh, are, are you a little bit um, amazed at the response that you're getting? You know, it's wonderful. So this, this documentary, while I'm homegrown right here and Douglas County is, you know, Ground Zero 2.0 right after Loudoun County in Virginia. This is a nationwide movie. We spent last summer traveling the entire country over 100 hours of footage, over 80 interviews from experts, parents, um, even some brave students and, and caring teachers who are not happy with what they're being forced to teach. So we did this all over the all over the entire country. So uh, the release of the film, Whose Children Are They, is a nationwide release through Fathom Events. Yes. 
And so it's in over 750 theaters around the country. And we're just blessed beyond belief because really it's going to be the parents joining with good teachers and concerned citizens to stand up and say enough. We are the ultimate authority in our children's lives. And I promise you, Gina, when they see what's been being hidden from them, we will. This will never happen again. It, it, this is going to be the turning point, I believe. So probably the best place to get information about this project is whosechildrenarethey.com because there you can get tickets, group tickets. One of the things, Deb Flora, that I found out about this project, you can correct me if I'm wrong, obviously it's going to be playing on March 14th. It has an exclusive one-day theater open but there's also opportunities for groups, even churches, mm-hmm. to purchase perhaps um, the right to show this to their own congregation. Is there a way to find out about that at whosechildrenarethey.com? Yes. Yes, there is. Thank you so much, Gina, for bringing that up. Indeed. I mean, this is a grassroots. I mean, we, you know, by the way, you don't make a documentary because you want to get rich. You do it because you care. And so we're so blessed that there is an opportunity for group sales, for churches, as well as the, the one night in the theaters on March 14th. And so there is a link on the website, whosechildrenarethey.com, where churches can find out how to show it. And I would just say this, though. I do want people to know when you show it in your church, This is not for children. In fact, we have a disclaimer that this film would be R-rated simply because of what they're showing the children in the classrooms, not because of anything else. So that's the thing that I do want people to realize. I think churches need to show it. Christians need to see it. But I do want to give that caveat. This is not for your children, although it's what they're showing them in school without your knowledge. But there's a there's. No, no. What I was going to say is obviously you talked about the hundreds of hours that you put in this. How did you make the agonizing decision of what do I leave out? And is there going to be a part two? Oh, my goodness. You are so right, Gino. This could have been a mini series and it might end up being one. Uh And that unenviable task fell even more to my husband, Jonathan, who is the, uh, the director. And many people may not know, but Jonathan was a producer at Walt Disney Studios. And, you know, despite doing things with Star Wars and Marvel and all of those franchises, this is one of the things he thinks we all agree is one of the most meaningful projects that we have. But it really was like handing him a huge block of marble and then saying to Michelangelo, find the the David inside. And that was the hardest part because for every story we showed, there are hundreds like it around the this country. the country and each one of these we we did a comprehensive overview so it's not just sex education it's crt it's anti-discipline policy it's the violence in schools it's the history of what's going on and really the through line of how the unions who are not for teachers or children or parents how they really have partnered with uh, some majorly radical indoctrination groups to push us into our schools. But, you know, it was hard to cut it down. And, uh, you know, it's, it's just supposed to be the beginning of the conversation. And each one of those stories could be a documentary in and of itself. Yeah. One of the things that you seem to be focusing on isn't a mass exit from the public uh, school system, but rather a mass exit on the part of teachers to break the stronghold of the union. Um, How do you, how do parents and how do you communicate? How how do we strike that balance of at what point do parents say, we're, we're done here. I'm leaving the public school system versus, well, we've got 30 seconds. So Deb floor, can you stay with me just a little bit longer? 
You better believe it. We'll answer that very important question when we come back, Gina. Well, yeah, you understand where I'm going with that question because mm-hmm. obviously this is something that affects every single a parent who, who has children in public, public education. But again, my guest is uh, Deb Flora. We're talking about a documentary. It's going to have a nationwide release for one day only on March 14th. It's entitled, Whose Children Are They? W-H-O-S-E, children are they.com. All one word. Go to whosechildrenarethey.com. You can get tickets, group tickets. It'll tell you about the cast and share tools, all kinds of uh Information for updates, this is Gino Geraci. I'll be right back with Deb Flora. Hey, welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. My guest, Deb Flora. We're, we're talking about her documentary project, Whose Children Are They? And you can find out all of the information at whosechildrenarethey.com. But, Deb Flora, before we went to the break, uh, you know, you were talking about the massive amount of information this um, the 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 amount the brave teachers the empowered parents the frontline experts you go through through you know you're you're boiling this down and I I, I want to remind everybody that the documentary itself is a little over two hours but in this documentary you talk a little bit about a mass exit. Um, mm-hmm. A union exit where where there's a growing gr- group of even teachers who are dissatisfied with this. Oh, dare I use the term? Uh, it's 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 a it's an ideological worldview that isn't interested in education anymore, but rather indoctrination and socialization Absolutely. towards a worldview. And parents are becoming more and more sh- not just annoyed, but shocked. Mm-hmm. And and resolve that we this has got to stop. Yes, without a doubt. And and you you make a great point, uh, Gino, because it's not just one answer to this problem. I mean, the number one answer is parents rising up, standing up, partnering with other citizens, grandparents, teachers to say, enough already. Our children do not belong to the state. You do not have the right to indoctrinate them about everything uh, from their gender identity to how they see race to any their worldview. But the the answer to the problem, once people rise up and wake up, is multiple. It's first of all, if you're in the public school system, elect a school board that does not is not answerable to the teachers union because the teachers union really is manipulating all of this behind the scenes. If you can, take your children out because the tax dollars will follow and leave. Um, it's pushing, pushing for um, legislation where the funds follow the student, not the system. So that's a legislative answer to it. Uh, curriculum transparency legislation, parental rights legislation. It's also for the teachers, as you mentioned. Many of them are bullied and are uh, there's a fear factor, and they're told by their unions they'll lose their job or it's the only insurance they can have. There's a lot of other options there that they can have without being bullied by the union to teach things that are antithetical, perhaps to their own values. We need to look at our our teaching colleges because a lot of teachers are being indoctrinated to turn around and indoctrinate again. So it's a multiple level. But I believe that we need to do all of them. Not every parent can pull their child from public schools. And even those who maybe don't think there's a problem we still need to care for those other children that are innocent and sweet and do not need to have their minds filled with indoctrination versus education. So it's a multiple front answer. 
but it all starts with dragging it all into the light and being engaged and activated. And I would say every parent's going to know what's best for their own child, you know, as far as where's the best education place for them. But we, this is our opportunity to shake it all up and get education back to what it was originally intended to be, not what it has become. And again, if you want to know where it's playing at your local theater outlet, go to whosechildrenarethey.com. Ninety years ago, Deb Flora, the Supreme Court said, and I'm quoting, the child is not the mere creature of the state. Those who nurture him and direct his destiny have the right, coupled with the high duty, to recognize and prepare him for additional obligations. Forty mm-hmm. years after that, the court said, quote, the primary role of the parent in the upbringing of their children is now established beyond debate as an enduring American tradition. And then it all fell apart in the year 2000 with with uh, the Troxel versus Granville um, um, citing where there were six separate opinions and Justice Scalia held that parents have no constitutionally protected rights whatsoever. Only Justice Thomas clearly stated that no, no, no. Parental rights receive receive the same high legal standard of protection as other fundamental rights. Mm-hmm. It's crazy that we're having this conversation, but we have to have it. We do. And, and the only reason why it wasn't written in the Constitution is because no one in the history of mankind or our founding fathers who put together our documents ever thought parental rights would even be in question. I mean, they didn't even think they needed to protect them because it was so fundamental and intrinsic to how we are created to be. And so that's why we're having to have this now. And it's it's the time to stand up and reestablish that. And, you know, it's, it's a very important time. That's why we actually have the title, Whose Children Are They? Because the Marxist view is what Karl Marx says, from the moment a child can be without the care of their mother, they will be in state institutions. And that's not the Judeo-Christian view upon which our country was founded. So, um, you know, it's time for us to stand up and say, you know what, it, it wasn't in the Constitution because nobody thought it ever would have had to be. Um, and, and I believe that this is going to be the turning point, not just for education, but for our country. Because there are parents getting involved in ways they never have before. It's literally like awakening the sleeping giant. Because I tell you, I don't care if you're a Democrat or Republican, you're a mom and a dad first, and you realize the government has gone too far. The state does not own our children. Now, obviously, people can get a little sneak peek at whose children are they uh, at, by just simply Googling it. I know there's a trailer that's been posted online. But let me ask you the million-dollar question. Obviously, here's this labor of love and and uh, and and an outrage and outrage. <laughs> Your husband does the, the the very hard job of editing. What kind of now? Obviously, some of your your friends have had sneak peeks at whose children are they? What what have been some of the surprising responses you've been getting from men and women, parents and grandchildren, teachers who who you've given a little sneak peek? What kind of a feedback have you gotten? You know, they're shocked because parents and you know, citizens, parents especially, have been so busy. They've just been, you know, living their lives, working jobs, taking their kids where they need to be. And no one would imagine 
the things that are being taught. I think the most shocking part of the of the documentary is actually the sex education part. And we do mm-hmm. put a disclaimer up saying this is for mature audiences only, and yet it's what they're teaching your children. And I think, you know, we we actually just tell people, I'm so sorry you have to see this, but it's kind of like abortion. If you don't really know what's going on, you won't be motivated to protect the innocent. And so when people see that and they hear things like, you know, schools are exempt from obscenity laws, uh, that that, you know, gender fluidity is not a part of sex education, which is why they don't even have to tell parents when it's happening. And I think the thing that people are the most uh, that 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 really hits them the most is we have made this a comprehensive expose because a lot of times we see a headline and, oh, it's about CRT or another headline somewhere else in the country. And it's about anti-discipline. Another headline is about sex education. What we have done is connected the dots. So everyone can see where this began, what the through line is, and therefore simplify what is the action that we need to take. And I do know one thing I want to share is the premiere is March 14th nationwide in theaters. This movie is going to have a long life. It will go to streaming. It will go to DVD because our goal is for every parent, every grandparent, every concerned citizen to see this to make sure we never, ever let this happen again to our children. Again, you can go to whosechildrenarethey.com. There you'll find some buttons. It'll be a big red button. Find theaters and showtimes. Watch (laughs) the official trailer. Bring it to my church. It's impossible to miss. And Deb Flora, congratulations. Thank you, my friend. Thank you. Well, we've been standing on this front together, and uh, this is just one more tool that we are providing to those who are awake and aware to help bring others along. So I really appreciate it. Well, again, you know, we talked about some of the frustration that we've had with the legislation to clear up the, the confusion. It, it it sounds to me like this film is going to be the salvo that's going to shake people by their shoulders and just say, wake mm-hmm. up, wake up, wake up. Yes. And, you know, and thank you. And for those who are listening who are awake, all we've wanted to do is provide a tool. And I encourage people, bring your neighbor, bring your friend, bring your fellow teacher, bring other people to watch this that maybe aren't aware. Because the biggest thing we need to remember is we are the majority. You know, for every child, there are parents, and that's a lot larger group than the administrators and those who want to indoctrinate our children. So we are in the majority. We just have to wake up. Thanks, Deborah Flora. Whosechildrenarethey.com. Hope to see you soon. Thank you, Gina. You as well. I appreciate it. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. 
with in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.